Welcome to the Jerusalem Lights Podcast with Rabbi Chaim Richman, whose goal is Torah for everyone. I'm your co-host, Jim Long, and now, Rabbi Chaim Richman. Shalom, Jim. How are you? Shalom, Rabbi. I'm doing oof, as well as can be expected. Actually, I, I, have, I have no, no complaints because God is continually good to us. I would like to be able to say that the rest of the country is doing that well. But um, we, we can talk about that in a minute. I think it's like the elephant in the room, you know, or, or the 500-pound gorilla, or designate your favorite animal who is uh, morbidly obese. So, <laughs> Well, let me say shalom to all of our wonderful listeners. Amen. And just before we get into everything that's going on in our contemporary crumbling society, I know, I know many people are also concerned about what's going on in Israel. I, I just want to say that, unfortunately, we are having a what appears to be uh, officially the beginning of the second wave and um our numbers are unfortunately now um higher than they were in the first wave and uh, some leniencies are being rolled back and um again we have some um increasing restrictions on public gatherings and hopefully the economy will not be shut down but uh we seem to be in the throes of the second wave I don't yeah. want to admit that or, or um, you know, classify it officially, but uh, it's definitely definitely something that we are dealing with right now. And maybe apropos uh, today on the eve of the seventeenth day of Tammuz, which of course um, is begins tonight, and that is the first day of the annual three-week period of introspection marked by increasing levels of mourning customs and observances. This period of time referred to in the Book of Lamentations, chapter 1, as between the straits, Bein HaMitzarim, this time um, when we all stop and pause and reflect upon the loss of the Holy Temple and the first day that inaugurates that period is the fast day of the 17th of Tammuz, which actually is the day that Moses uh, descended from Mount Sinai and witnessed the, the debauchery of the golden calf and broke the tablets. And um, actually later in history, in the time of the Second Temple, that was the day that the walls of Jerusalem were breached, mm -hmm. and that led to the ultimate destruction of the Holy Temple on the 9th of Av in another three weeks. But that raises a really large question, and that is, that seems to negate free will for those who didn't commit those acts. Uh, how do how do we understand that, Rabbi? Now, you're saying you're saying um, that it sounds like <clears throat> everything is predetermined. Yeah. In and this is so important, Jim, because you've asked a, a very important question. But I think this is really the way to understand it. Is that he, what he said was, you know what? You cry tonight for no reason. In the future, when there is a reason to cry, it will be at this time. And that's all the difference in the world. What 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 they're saying? Because the idea is this. Yes, free will is uh, preeminent in the Torah philosophy, and, and nothing really is, is determined. But the interesting thing is the way the sages put it. They say, you know what? Hakol It's one of the most incredible statements. That, that means everything is in the hands of heaven except, except the fear of the heaven. Fear of heaven, yeah. So, so what that really boils down to is like, you know, really 
whether a person's going to be rich or poor, healthy or sick, this is what we we have in our prayers on Rosh Hashanah that you know that that Hashem makes a decree for the entire year. But I think what it means, you know, this statement, everything's in the hands of heaven except the fear of heaven. It basically translates into like everything is left up to Hashem except whether or not you will realize that mm-hmm. it's up to Hashem. Yeah. Except whether or not you will realize that it's all coming from Hashem. Now Hashem does not have it in for anyone. He does not withhold good or reward from any person, even a person who does bad, like he doesn't, it, it doesn't cancel out. Hashem rewards every person for, for the goodness that they are able to employ. The thing is that there are patterns. And I think that's what this idea is. There are patterns in time and there are definitely templates of, um, of, of, a, of a celestial nature. In other words, this, this is a time when there's a certain, a, a certain amount of, of din, you know, of judgment or of harshness, just, just, just as, as nighttime is a more severe time than daytime, just as, just as uh, the month of Adar is a time that's auspicious. This is a time of year when there's been a, a force in history that Hashem has used and has allowed to develop, which is a force of retribution. And, and it is a force that gives us the opportunity to, um, open up a pathway towards repentance and towards returning to Hashem. And, and then, look, tonight, tonight begins Shiva Sefer Tammuz, the 17th day of Tammuz, which is actually a minor fast, minor meaning that it's not from, the, from sunset, it's from the morning of the 17th until sunset. Like, the only ones that are actually from the night before is Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. But what is a fast day all about? A fast day is not about... You know, I'm going to suffer by not eating, and that atones for my sins. I'm going to with I'm going to um, um, refrain from eating, and 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 therefore I'm going to accomplish something. That's not that's not the idea of a fast day in in the Jewish mindset, in the Torah's perspective. The idea of a fast day is that it it opens up a certain kind of sensitivity to us for repentance and for more sincere, sincere prayer and more sincere introspection about who we want to be when we grow up. Because, you know, and we always say this, the hardest time to think about Hashem is when we're full and feel, and feel very confident and the belly is full and we're like, you know, take away food for a person for, for 12 hours. And it's like, wow, I'm not as hot as I thought I was. You yeah. know, you run out of fuel, run out of steam, and you realize that you're vulnerable and you're dependent on Hashem. And that's, that is the device of fasting, really, on, on one level. The, breach, the idea that it brings clarity. It makes, Yes, yes, it, 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 it separates the husks and it makes us a little bit sharper about our priorities. And so, you know, the idea really is, is that w- when we have that kind of opportunity, we can change the pattern in time. So, and that's my answer in short. In other, in other, words, in other words, between this, this, this um, you know, um, the seeming contradiction between the, 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 the predetermination and the free will is that, you know, Hashem sets things in motion and, and there is a pattern that's established, but we are the ones that are going to change that. And I'll give you a perfect example. It's, it's something that, that um, we learned about very recently in our Zoom classes when we were talking about Mashiach, we're talking about the arrival of the Messiah and all the details in, in Torah tradition about Mashiach. I had occasion to quote the verse from Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 60, where Hashem says, in its time, I will hasten it. Mm. It's a very, very famous verse. Yeah. Talking about the, the Messianic redemption, Hashem says, which is also like ostensibly a tremendous contradiction. Which is it? In its time, or I will hasten it. Because it's, what it's, the verse is referring to is the idea that there is a, like a, a default, like a template 
of when the Messiah will arrive. And, 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 if, and if it hasn't happened until then, it will happen at that time. But there's also the idea that it could be hastened depending on our behavior, that we have the ability to, 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 to bring it forward, yeah. to deserve it, to merit it. You know, it's, it's up to us. Like everything in this world, you know, we always talk about this. It's all about us. It's about our responsibility. Hashem is waiting on us. And by the way, the classic example of seeing Hashem waiting on us is what we're going to be learning in Parshat Pinchas in, in this week's Torah yeah. portion about about initiative, about something coming from the bottom up. But but in any event, to answer your question about about this this morning period, it's it's really about changing this pattern. And and, and again, we talked last week about Tammuz, you know, the, the idea that the, that the month is named after uh, an, a, idol. A, a, an idolatrous deity yeah. and kind of like the Chazal, kind of like wiping it in our face, like here, take this, like deal with this for thirty days. Like the idea that the very month is named after that. And it's not a celebration of the idol. It's a reminder that this is our very purpose in life is to is to uproot idolatry. Yeah. And, and um, it's it's interesting. I didn't I didn't mention this last week, and so I want to mention it now. Um, there's an, an amazing verse that substantiates everything I'm trying to say. You know, this whole idea that. You know, last last week I talked about the Korban Pesach, the idea that Israel is is responsible for uprooting idolatry, and the idea, you know, of Balak saying, you know, to the elders of Midian, you know, they're going to uproot us like the like the ox that uproot, uproots the grass, you know. But listen to this, Jim, Isaiah, chapter twenty-seven, and verse nine says, "Therefore, through this." Shall Jacob's iniquity be atoned for, and this shall be the fruit of his sin's removal? When he makes all the altar stones like ground chalk stones, and Asherah trees and sun idols arise no more. And basically what this is saying is that the is that the atonement that we need and the and the way that we are cleansed is by doing our our job. Our divinely uh, mandated job description is the removal, like I said, of of idolatry, the destruction of the altar stones, and the removal of the Asherah trees and sun idols, and everything that the month of Tammuz represents. So, so we can we can change everything, and that's that's really the whole idea. And, the, and this also, by the way, fits in. I wanted to answer in this program a question that someone. Uh, actually commented, I think, on one of the one of our productions. Someone wrote, basically, to the tune of like, about this morning period. What can we do in a proactive way? What can we do in a proactive way? And I think that to me, that question means how can we turn this cycle around so that it's not perpetually a cycle of mourning, and a cycle of, of um, you know, despondency. The the, the the purpose of of um, this period of time, the three weeks, which again begins tomorrow, it's not about giving up, and it's not about it's not about just wailing in kind of like a self pity. Oh, woe is me! The temple is destroyed. It's about making sure that we rebuild the temple. So that's that's my thought about it, and well, definitely not not predetermined. But it, it's it, it we must, you know, have the have the. Um, wherewithal to to be able to show Hashem that we're ready for change. I know there's a lot of different uh, opinions about rebuilding the temple. And and I'm just going to put it out there and just say this, and that is I don't agree with those uh, in the, uh, the religious realm, whether you're Jewish or whether you're whatever persuasion you have to be. I don't agree with that idea that we need to wait for it. I can't find the word in the Torah in, in any reference to the to the temple 
being rebuilt where God says, wait. It, I, don't, I can't find it. Can, do, do you know anywhere it says wait? I don't find <laughs> do I know it. anywhere where it says wait? Jim, you're, you're, you're talking to the anti-weight. I, <laughs> I know. I, uh, that's why I, really, I, that's I, really why I call you, you know. that's why I call you my rabbi <clears throat> is because you have this realistic view of, of God's Unfortunately, plan. in the, in the whole um, process of, of the diaspora experience and everything that we've gone through, um, we've been, uh, somewhat um, affected on a on a deep psychological level and and unfortunately there is a there is a whole kind of false theology that has that has grown and that has and that has taken over and and that is this idea that you know like that it's out of our hands that we have to wait that it will that it will come about miraculously and all of that jim in in my opinion not my personal opinion but my opinion from a perspective of integrity of torah scholarship I really, I don't want to say I believe because mm -hmm. I want to say I know that I can prove because belief is a personal thing. All of these thoughts of the temple um, not being our responsibility, but, by, but, but something that's going to come about on its own, a miraculous or from God, that is the product of um, searching for an excuse and a validation for yeah. in, for inaction. That's why I call it the, which, which I understand. Yeah. We've been yeah. through a lot, and 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 so the, they're creeped into the into the subconsciousness mm -hmm. of the of the body of Israel. This kind of very idiosyncratic. Uh, well, defense it's mechanism. it's it's excuse theology. Is it's a defense it mechanism. It's yes, an excuse it theology, and and I that's why I feel like that one of my self appointed goals, and I hope it's the one that God gave me, is to is to convince my non-Jewish friends, but also my Jewish friends that, you know, pe people often ask me, they, here in this country, they say, you know, what can we do to help, you know, Noahides when they, when they find out I'm a Noahide? I said, uh, let me help you. Here's a ticket. Make Aliyah. Because, because Jews returning to Eretz Israel, and then most of all, at the top of the list, Jewish unity is the thing that will not only change uh, the Jews, it will change the world. I don't want to get too far off. off uh, well, we, this is what we're talking and, and the, about. And the fact is that there is also a, ro a role being, you know, for the non-Jew that loves Hashem mm -hmm. and that loves the Torah because, they're, because everything that we're all about, you and I, and everything that Jerusalem Lights is all about in terms of, of, of seeking to provide access to, to the authentic Torah, to all the spiritual secrets, it's because there is a spiritual revolution going on right now, Jim. Yeah. As we speak, as we look out the window and things are falling all apart around us, you know that there's a lot of people that are turning to Torah, and that is part of these days of redemption. Yeah. I look at what's going on in Israel right now. Most of our, most of our listeners are probably like me. They probably uh, listen and read. They listen to Eretz Sheva. They read Eretz Sheva News. They read the Jerusalem Post. We know what's going on in Israel. And one thing that's not going on you're dealing with COVID-19, we're dealing with it, but you're not dealing with the rampant violence in the streets. And this is what I see in, in this week's Torah Parsha in Pankas, is I see it mirrored vividly in the way that there was a, a wanton uh, rebellion played out, and we're all witnessing it. And that's exactly literally, what, literally, literally to the in the in the eyes of the entire assembly. Right. I, I, it's chilling. It's chilling, it's Jim. Chilling. The, 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 the parallel it, between the 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 incredible 
uh, anarchy and um, mob mentality yeah. that is ruling the streets in America yeah. and that is setting a new agenda according to the to the narrative that they insist upon, it really does remind me of what was happening in the beginning of Parsha Pinchas. And just to back up a little bit, because you kind of started in the middle, but the interesting thing about, about Pinchas, you know, begins in chapter 25 and verse 10 in uh, the book of Numbers, and it's actually the continuation of Parshat Balak. Right, right. It's, it's starting in the middle because the, the curses, you know, Balak's whole idea of hiring Bilam to curse the whammy, you know, the people of Israel, and, and again, and for only one reason, to keep them from going into the land because yeah. that's going to that's gonna change the balance of spiritual power in the world. It didn't work. It didn't work. Right. Shem didn't allow it. And, then, and so then he got this very, very, very dastardly idea, and he said, you know what? The God of these people... Hates immorality. Mm-hmm. Well, he this saw what he is. saw that from the words coming out of the mouth of Bilam, because right. Bilam literally looked into the tents that were that were parked next to each other. And Matovo Alecha Yaakov. Yeah, the, the, the entrances are not are not opposite each other for the purpose of modesty. The, the, the modesty was was the hallmark of Eretz Israel, and and Balak, the crafty, evil person that he was, said, "Oh." That's it, Eureka. Well, it was. I think it was Billam's idea. He okay. said to he, he told him. He said, "Listen, he hates immorality. Mm-hmm. Trip them up. Trip them up with 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 licentious behavior, in order to uh, cause them to worship the Baal." Now, the Baal was this absolutely horrendous, disgusting pagan god, and you and I, I know. Uh, from previous discussions, know how it was served, but right. we won't even say it. Uh, this is a, this is a family show. I would I would, e- I would instruct our listeners to go go into hopefully the sources you have. Look it up online. This practice uh, to was it the was it the idol of Pethor maybe or uh, anyway it was this idol and and they they would commit this practice in front of it and but it was also the the women of Midian. Were sent into so the a, women of Midian were were not in, in addition to being you know to to wanting to trip them up with sexual transgressions which yeah. are so horrible that they could that sexual transgressions can destroy Israel by dis, by destroying the family unit they also wanted to use it as a as a snare to get them to worship their idols as well. Now it's important, anyway it's important to remember too we're going to touch on this a moment because we're going to wrap this up later on with this question and that is this was an Overt act of war. This Tell was, me about that. Yeah, Tell this, me how you see it. Well, no, I'm, I was just going to say is because... Because I'm looking at it that this was, in addition to the fact that, that mm-hmm. sexually it was horrible, because that is that is something that's very, very abhorrent to Hashem, yeah. it was also staged as a rebellion against Moshe. Right. But you're saying more than that. You're saying this was like, an, uh, this was actually um, this was a, a, a war. This was mandated by Balak. He, he gave yes. the women of Midian permission. He sent them into the camp of Israel as if, they, you know, to cook for them and feed them and get to know our culture. You know, think, maybe even think about intermarrying with us. Under the guise of that is the, because at the, at, uh, behind all of this, the motive was to destroy the entire nation of Israel. So there's no other way to look at it except an act of war. Because they couldn't fight them on the on the battlefield, they'd already heard about their power against Amalek. That's the reason they called Bilam in the first place. Let's use psychological warfare against them, 
And Bilam tried to uh, provide that, and he couldn't, thank God, because because he could not curse Israel. So finally they saw that the, 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 uh, the chink in the armor of Israel was to go after that modesty, and we could destroy the nation. So and it ha- started to work, it because what, to- what, what, what he could not accomplish yeah. with the curses, because he could not get his timing right, and he could not get that single, fleeting, nano, non-second of Hashem's anger. Right. But now we find that indeed Hashem, Hashem's wrath was kindled and a plague 24, began. 24,000. 24,000. Because of, of this horrible, horrible... Um, right. And, horrible, and, uh, and, and in the midst of all of this, this is, this is the, 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 the seam mm-hmm. between Balak and Pinchas. In the midst of the plague that already started, uh, this, um, this man uh, gets up and he does this, uh, oh, it's, it's, this it's thing a, in front of everybody. It's Zimri and Cosby. Right, 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 and one is a prince. One is, is a of prince Shimon. of Shimon of the tribe of Shimon. The other is also a princess from Midian, because she even says she's very haughty. She says, "Oh, uh, you you can't have my hand because I'm a princess." And he goes, well, "I'm a prince," and she, she goes, "Okay, that's all it took." And <laughs> you know, it's like that's how wanton this woman was. And they 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 literally, in fact, in fact. Um, I, I believe that in the Talmud it tells us that this prince of, of Shimon uh, even asked Moses, he said, is it not unlawful for me to take this yes. woman? Because there's, right. even a, there's even a mitzvah about the woman taken in an act of war. And before Moses can speak, he says, I know the answer, Moshe. And he literally begins to have intercourse with this woman in front of the entire camp of Israel, which leaves Moshe speechless and everybody Without acting, they literally begin crying like a bunch of right. It's an it's an incredibly uh, moving and wow. it's a very it's a very strange verse. So what does Pinchas do? At the end of Balak, we read that they were crying at the Moshe and the elders were crying at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now in the in our video this week. I'm going to go, Bezrat Hashem, with Hashem's help, into, into great length, explaining why Moshe was crying. Um, this is not a small, a small matter, th- this idea that Moshe basically was paralyzed. Why, is, why it's so, I, you know, is, is a very complex and deep, open up your heart in the deepest way kind of thing, because it's not a bad reflection on Moshe, but there's something mm-hmm. happened here that Moshe... He, I'll tell you what it is, Jim. He forgot what the halacha is. Hashem taught him under these circumstances. See, there's a, there's a very strange thing going on here because a Beit Din, a, a court of justice, can mete out a punishment if there are witnesses, right. according to Torah law, and also if there was a warning issued. Right. So in this case, there are many witnesses because it's being done in front of the whole camp, but it's spontaneous. There was no warning. Exactly. So what is the din? What is the law about such a thing? So Hashem, you know, Moshe was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. Hashem taught him everything, and, and he taught him what to do in such a situation, but Moshe forgot. Right. And that's why he was crying. Now, what does that mean? Why all of a sudden did Moshe forget a principle of the Torah that I'm, I, I, I am addressing in the video. And all of a sudden, we have a new player on the field that we haven't really been accustomed to seeing before, that we don't really recognize. It's Pinchas. Yeah. Pinchas, Aaron's grandson. And he gets up without asking. And he does seem to know what to do. And he actually skewers the two of them in one, in one um, thrust. Sweep. Yes, one thing. And yeah. uh, and that's what it that's what it took apparently because Hashem says 
that's my man. Hashem says uh, something so powerful. He says, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, son of Aaron the Kohen, turned back my wrath from upon the children of Israel when he zealously avenged my vengeance among them. So I did not consume the children of Israel in my vengeance. Therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his offspring after him a covenant of eternal priesthood because he took vengeance for his God and he atoned for the children of Israel. What, one of the things that makes this statement by Hashem so incredibly just hard for us to wrap our minds around is because, first of all, Hashem is saying this was the exact right thing to do. Second of all, Hashem is saying, um, this was about me. This was about my honor, my, yeah. my vengeance. Don't think that this was Pinchas's agenda or that he was acting from any sort of personal motivation. And then Hashem says these things that are really hard for us to grasp, that he says, this is, this is uh, the reason why I am giving him a covenant of peace and an eternal priesthood. What does that even mean? What does that even mean, a covenant of peace and an eternal priesthood? Again, these are, these are incredible concepts that I, I want to explore in great detail in this week's Torah portion. I hope people will get to see it. It's, it's, it'll be on YouTube yeah. and on our site, of course. And, and, and the interesting thing, Jim, is that, is that the, the sages teach us that Pinchas actually was criticized by the Israelites um, he was branded as being uh, a criminal. It was like, yeah. this is like, what, you're the anarchist. Yeah. They said, you're, this is like what? This is like, you're a vigilante? Like you can just go killing people? You're a murderer? And, and it was, and that's why Hashem had to say what he said because it's the opposite of what we would think. You know, this, no, this was actually an act of peace. This was actually the solution to the to the rapid dissolution that was starting to take place in in israel and this was the greatest kindness mm -hmm. that could be done to the jews to save them from this horrible plague and this horrible spiritual plague that's starting to affect them he and it had to be stemmed and he and he did it his whole motivation was you know love for hashem the zealousness of honoring his name and of course his care for his people yeah. And but the thing is that and I think this is what you started to mention, this kind of parallel between knowing that that they were saying that about him and what's going on now. Well, in that, terms that's, of going up against a mob mentality. Right. The, the one reason that I we I, I wanted to preface this discussion by reminding our, our our listeners, because I was troubled by this Parsha years ago when I began to study Torah. And I knew that Torah was I knew that Torah was right. I knew there were there was nothing that was everything in the Torah was was about a laws the laws of a nation, and the, but then I looked at the context of this scene and what it preceded with trying to hire a seer to destroy the entire nation of Israel. So this is why we when we when you are explaining this to your friends and they look at this and they go, "You mean the Torah is actually uh, giving its giving a, a, a free pass to." to being a vigilante? No, because this was literally an act of war. And this is why when you say what he committed was an act of peace, that's how you bring peace, is you stop war. Because, tw because 24,000 people had already died, and it was, it, 
Israel was literally being threatened with its very existence because the family unit is literally what kept Israel together. If this, if these, if the the women, and this is not a reflection on women, this happened to be the, the women, the daughters that were sent in by the Midianites. Uh, this is this is really sad when you think about a nation sending in their their best and their brightest women to literally say, you know, use your your charms. This this is an indictment. This is not against the women. This is an indictment against the pagan culture right. of Mo- of Moab and Midian that they that they were willing to to just turn their daughters and women out as as fodder, mm-hmm. as sexual fodder, yeah. to de- their, their hatred of Israel was so great mm-hmm. that they basically, you know, uh, uh, how do I say it in English, <laughs> in any language? They basically allowed the, uh, allowed the women to be to be totally um, debased. Uh, I mean, they were debased. They, they, right. they literally were debased. Right. It and, was worth it to them. It was right. worth it to them. It was it was Machiavelli, uh, you know, to the full extent of the Machiavellian idea that that the uh, the means justify the or the, the end justifies the means. And this is something that we see going on, Rabbi. When I read this, when I read this parsha, I literally it, it was in my face that it's a mirror of what's going on in our country today. No, we're, at least right now we can say that we have not de- de- descended to the level that people are having wanton, open, actual sex in the streets. Although who knows? But the point, the 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 basic premise here is is really what's going on in America today, and that is is that the the uh, rebellion against the the rule of law in 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 the day of, in the days of Pinchas it was against Torah, and it was it was it was on the brink of destroying the nation literally almost overnight because of 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 a couple that was trying to lead a rebellion and doing it in front of thousands of witnesses. So what we're the parallel I see is that we're seeing this today on television. We're seeing we're witnessing rebellion in the streets and we're seeing our leaders stand by, some of them in tears, wringing their hands and there's that concept of the paralysis of leadership. Exactly. And we're seeing that because the party that I'm sorry, I'm going to get political. The party that I used to oh call boy. my party, the the, the, oh the, the, Republic, the Republicans you... are are standing around. We have a few brave ones. We have our president who is saying these things are wrong and this is not patriotic. And yet he's being called just like Pincus. He's being called uh, a traitor. Uh, he he gave a speech on the Fourth of July, which I listened to, and and what and the New York Times called it dark and divisive. Man, if that isn't turning up the turning the ideas of of law and order and what's right and on its head, if this if this isn't a parallel, it's a frightening parallel. And we we're seeing finally, thank God, some of these leaders are actually you know seeing the light of day. We in Georgia, they they finally brought in the the uh, the the um, militia, not the militia, the uh, national guard, the national guard, because because in there, they're standing around saying, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with this this morality that we see played out. This is you know, and it when it's not morality, it's immorality. Because I I learned this from from Torah that the worst thing that you can do. As a Jew or a non-Jew, is to teach sin, and that's what we're that's what we're seeing happen. And Jim, I'm so glad you said that because what it seems to me it, it, that that's going on. What do you call it? Cancel culture. Yeah, the cancel. Is that culture. what it's officially yeah. called? What yeah. it seems to me, what's going, what's really going on, is that there is like 
this new set of moral values that is being arbitrarily foisted upon everyone by mm-hmm. some sort of of uh, inner group that are and they, and that group is is trying to stifle public debate and tolerance yeah. and yeah. and now i mean it, it's so it's so intolerant that any opposing view is a reason for public shaming can you right. imagine public shaming and and ostracizing and and there's no there's no democracy and it's like uh editors are 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 um reprimanded or even fired for 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 pieces that are considered to be controversial and 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 books are banned <laughs> classics are banned and journalists are not allowed to write about certain topics and and even um I think even uh, professors are are investigated for quoting works of literature. It's it's like it's this just incredible um somehow this this monstrous movement of stifling individualism and and by the way, you know, you said something very very moving and beautiful about Pinchas's act being an act of peace or I said that actually. Yeah. But, but and, and in response to in response to what you're pointing out that was an act of war, in addition to the to that dichotomy of peace versus war, Pinchas also represents a new level of leadership. Because the old level of leadership represented by Moshe, which was perfect for the time of the generation of the desert, now 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 going into the land, preparing to go into the land is going to require something else altogether. And that's one of the reasons why you see that Moshe felt um, paralyzed because he, he really could not relate to to what was going on. And and this this whole thing now it's it's it, there seems to be a, a major crisis in leadership. Oh, oh, it's it's in our face every day. And the 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 old idea of uh, let's let's agree to uh, to disagree to disagree is gone. It's out the window. Any time that you disagree with with the leftist um, mentality, just just disagreeing, you're called a hater. They 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 characterize it as hatred. And I have to tell you that I don't have any hatred for anybody. Uh, out there, you know that I, I have, um, I I don't really have fear either because I'm not afraid of these people, but I I um, it, it I, I lament what I see. I'm sad for these people because they're so stupid that they're even they're they're supposed to be doing this under the guise of of finally uh, creating a, a. I don't think they're stupid at all, Jim. I think they have a plan. Well, the people that are tearing down statues are stupid because I tell you what. If oh, they, they're just useful idiots. They, That's they, all they I are. Mean, the people that will tear down. They're just being used. The mob. The mob yeah. is just being used. Yeah. Because they because they they're they're like a hive mentality. Because people that will take down the statue of Frederick Douglass. One of one of the great figures of the Civil War, a black man who was one of the great writers and thinkers of his time, who of course obviously was against slavery. To take down his statue is so. Is, when did that happen, and it, where it, it happened this last week? I don't know where it was. They defaced it. And so what was? The, did they even have an explanation of what it represented to them that they felt that they had to take it down? No, because these idiots never they never stick around for for an explanation because they know they're going to get arrested. But I don't even know what I don't even know what kind of thinking. I think the idea is that anything that the government has mandated that is, that is put up in a public place because it's public, it represents the government, so it has to come. That's the only thing I can figure out is that we we have at the core of all this we have people who are literally are anarchists and they want everything to burn down. 
That's literally what it is. They want it to burn down, and they they are hoping the rest of us will join us. And what what disturbs me the most is when I see crowds of people uh, literally cheering these statues coming down. If they want to take down a Confederate statue, fine. Go petition the local government and, and have it removed. But but to just rampantly, and, and now you've got killing on the streets of New York that, that, that is, is, is at a new high. And, and children are being caught in the crossfire. Children are being caught in the crossfire, and, and we have silence. We have, and of course, there's there's Chicago all year uh, round all year from round. way before this that nobody talks about all year round. So the so I see I see this concept this this rampant um, mob mentality is literally echoed in today's Torah parsha, and we need it. We 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 need a Pinchas, not not to go out and and you know, but we need his we need his morality to to take to. And I, I by the way, I'm seeing it. And the other thing that th- those of us who support Israel and, and the Jewish people worldwide, we haven't, we, it has not escaped our notice that every one of these people who espouses taking down the government uh, and, and uh, like Ilan Omar saying we need to, we need to uh, uh, take down all the establishment, all of these people hate Israel. And they hate the Jewish people. They are, they are all, the one thread that runs through all of these people is they are anti-Semitic. And, to and the, I am sure that there are people within the Black Lives Matter movement that are extremely sincere, sensitive, caring. And, and uh, their, their uh, goal is um, noble and, and praiseworthy, but it's been taken over right. by the, others that, 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 that it's, become, it's become totally identified with um, anti-Israel sentiment. Mm-hmm. For some, somehow, somehow this is all about Israel's treatment of the Palestinians, which of course is, is a tired a canard that is absolutely a lie, first of all. Of course. Yeah. As far as, far, as, far as uh, the, the truth of, of uh, what's going on here. People are and, having and their just Twitter, been totally hijacked. People are having their Twitter accounts canceled. I hope Twitter just blows up and goes away. It is it Twitter people have had their Twitter accounts canceled within the last few days. Talk about cancel culture because this for displaying a Magen David in their What? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, Twitter I, has canceled their account. Has canceled their account. I've saw two people today that say that they they showed pictures of of a Magen David in their in their postings, and they 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 uh, their account was was uh, closed down. That Jim, how happened. could that be? Well, how could that be? Did you realize what you're saying? I know, and you know why? You know, you know what Twitter's calling it? They're calling them. They're calling the Magen David, the, the shield of David. They're calling it a symbol of hatred. The Jewish star. The Jewish star, exactly. I'm not making this up. Uh, I saw it on uh, Twitter today. And this, and this shows is really, this is this really is, one of the most incredible a, things I've ever heard. This is a call to all of our listeners. To so isn't that isn't that a, isn't that a, a total um, diss uh, of the Jewish people? Isn't that isn't that a total it but it, act of? It, it doesn't matter because you're you're constantly delegitimization of Judaism. Exactly what it is, you know, and 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 they are, and of course, the the problem with this is is that. Are you sure about this? This is too much to believe. I'll send you a link. You can. I'll send you the Twitter. There, there are two accounts I know of that were that were canceled, and of course, thank God there are other Twitter Twitter followers that are saying, "Oh yeah, here's my Mag and David." 
I even did it. <laughs> I, I reposted an image of, of a Magen David that I use that I've used in the past. And uh, but but this is something that that uh, I've we've all seen this for for the past few years. You can, you can look at any any movement that does not really um, that is calling for the the destruction of American ideas. You can you can look at them and you can you can look at their charters. You can look at you know the the, the Black Lives Matter charter actually called Israel an apartheid state. That's in their charter. And this is something that, that we who love and embrace Torah, we non-Jews who love Torah, who love Israel, who love you and, and all the Jewish people, we, we've noticed this for a long time, that, that each and every, the Alan Omars of the world and the, the, uh, all of these people, they have a hatred for Israel. And, and you and I both know that to, to say Israel should be destroyed is a way of saying destroy the Jewish people. Because you know this is your homeland, so I didn't want to derail the today's tour, you know podcast with uh, with. Uh, it's all it's all uh, it's all totally connected. Well, that, because Jim, that's what Pincus is I, about. Pincus is yes, about and not only Israel. that, not only that, Jim. But if you open up heart in the deepest way, it's all going back to the destruction of the temple. Yeah, it's all going into this period of time now, and what we should be gaining from it, and what what it should be propelling us in, because all. The and again, this you know might sound like philosophical or or maybe um, you know um, kind of um, too ethereal. But the fact is, what Torah really teaches us is that all the suffering of the world, really, and all of the um, the agony of the human condition, it's really a result of the concealment of the divine presence. Yeah. It's really, in, a, in other words, and, and we certainly see this in the template of the ninth of Av itself. You know, so many tragedies occurred on the ninth of Av. The spies came back and they delivered their evil report and Hashem said, okay, if you cried in the future, this is going to be the template of crying. And then in addition to the two temples being destroyed on the very same day, what else happened on, on the ninth of Av? Um, the Spanish expulsion in 1492, in 1492 on the very exactly. same day. Yeah. The, the, the World War I began on the 9th of Av. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the gas chambers in Treblinka became, became operational on the 9th of Av. Um, the, idea, the idea being that, the, that this is the source of all tragedy. This is the source of all tragedy in the world. The, the destruction of the temple really is the mother of all tragedies, let's put it that way, which in itself is a, is a result of the sin of the spies. So the thing is that the prophets of Israel, every single one of them is telling us that the temple is going to be rebuilt, that there's going to be a different era uh, when the hallmark will be um, brotherhood and compassion and not war, beating your swords into plowshares and coming up to the mountain of the house of the Lord and saying, can we go with you because we heard that God is with you and all that and all that stuff that we read about. But, and the idea is this, is, this is really the challenge of how is that all going to come about? It's so clear when the prophets tell us that all the decay, all the moral, the moral um, decay and, the, and the, the, the destruction of values and the, and the unraveling of, of the human uh, you know the unraveling of the divine image in which we were created. It's all a result and a and a an, an offshoot of the destruction of the temple. 
Yeah. And what that really, what that, and again, you know, I, I, I did uh, some sort of radio program yesterday, actually, that you set me up for some friends of yours, I believe, and they, and the interviewer um, said something that that got me very, very upset. And then afterwards, he, I apologized, and he said to me, he said that he said it that way on purpose because he wanted to get me going. <laughs> and he said to me, so it was a, it was a setup, um, but I played my part perfectly. And, and he said something like, well, you know, this whole period of mourning, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's mourning for a building. And after all, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, sir, it has nothing to do with a building. No. This is not about a building. It never was about a building. It's about a concept of what it means to be able to elevate the human condition to its divine purpose and what it means about revealing godliness in this murky world. That's what the temple is all about. It's about living focused on God consciousness with, with Hashem in, in our midst. That's what, that's what it was for Israel to leave Egypt and to build the tabernacle and to be all circled around it like one man with one heart. Yeah. The temple brings this balance to the world of realizing that there really is a God in the world. And Jim, let me tell you something that you're describing, what's going on. That is exactly the problem because, because society, in addition to being steeped in this severe kind of immature narcissism and this self-serving kind of self-idolization. In addition to that, frankly, it's godless. Yeah. Society, it doesn't matter how, how people think they're religious, so to speak, or, or moral. The, pro the problem when you don't believe in God is that you set your own morality. So you can be a cannibal as well, and you can be a Nazi. You can, you can destroy because you, you can be religious, but if you set it yourself and don't, and don't accept, accept it from God's word, and the fact is that, that society is basically about killing the divine image now. Yeah. That's what all of this is about. Well, and I think the people need to remember, uh, our listeners, I think, are, are fully aware of this, is it sounds it sounds self-centered for uh, a Jew to to say you know we're the chosen people, and if they and I think most people are, are most of my Jewish friends are too humble to say that so I'll say that you're the chosen people why are you chosen, and how does this apply to to, to a non-Jew I always I always remind people that that the reason that Israel was created as a nation is that it is a model nation. All we don't we don't have to observe the same exact laws that you do because you have a particular purpose, which is to be a priesthood to the planet. You are a model nation, and every nation, any I would say this, I don't think this is a no-brainer. Any nation that says, you know what, we should try to be like Israel. And this, of course, puts the puts the responsibility back on the shoulders not only of the Jewish people, but even of modern Israel. To but that's what it, that's what it is, Jim. Yeah. I've said this many times. The cho the chosen thing, it's not a privilege. No, it's not. It's, it's a not, burden. It's not. A, it's not. I always explain that it's yeah. not the frequent flyer club where you have like this card that opens up the door, the platinum, you know, and they have these fancy little sandwiches in there and the fancy lighting and the drinks. That's not what it is. No, it's, it's not. Auschwitz. It's Auschwitz. That's the headquarters exactly. of being the chosen people. It's about exactly what you said. It's responsibility. Yes, and it's I am responsible for you i am responsible for you because i accept upon myself the yoke of heaven to, to bring hashem's light into the world mm -hmm. 
by life or death. That's what it's all about. It's it's about responsibility for for my fellow man. Right, and for people who who look at that model and say, "Well, I don't I don't know about that." Well, what I would say to you is that things in this country really began to go south, literally, when when the the leadership in our country, all the way up to the Oval Office, began to say, what I do in my private life has no reflection upon me as a leader. Hello! Of, of course it does. Of course it does. And this is what, this is what Pincus is all about. Pincus is saying that the leadership can't stand around, that you have to be proactive, and you have to be of the highest morality. You have to be, you have to be a, a, of sterling character because what you say and what you think and what you do should all be on the same page. You should be the same person in your bedroom as you are out in a public forum. And that is exactly what Pincus is all about. Pincus was given this amazing covenant with Hashem because Hashem is, Hashem is an active presence in the world. It's the reason we, you know, the, the, the thing, it always goes back to Sinai. When, when you can see God's heart just uh, enlarging, and I'm putting this in very, you know, uh, human terms, but bear with me. When, when the Torah was given and they said, we will do, and we will hear, it was an instantaneous response. This is all Pincus is doing. He is instantly responding to a matter at hand by virtue of what the Torah lays down. And I, I see that this is, this is people would listen to this program for the first time and go, what has the Torah and the rabbis and Israel got to do with my life? Well, it's because, because when Israel and the Jewish people are at their best, they are living and breathing and, and acting in a manner that says, oh, that's what the Torah mandates for, for a as close as you can get to a perfect human being. And that is actually the meaning of the word Zionism. Right. Zion's. Right. Zion comes from the Hebrew Zion, and Zion means excellence. And it's in modern Hebrew, it's the same word as the, as the word describing the mark or grade that a child receives on a report card. Because when the Jewish people are in the land of Israel, living according to the word of the God of Israel, that brings about a state of excellence, of blessing for the whole world. And, and the powers that be from the other side, the other party, Balak and Bilam, they know that. Yeah. And that's why they wanted to prevent the entrance of the people into the land, because then it would light up. It would be the plug would be in the socket, and it's about bringing God into the world. And that's whether the Jewish people like it or not, whether they're constantly reminding themselves of it or not. Somebody else will if they forget. Whether they accept it or not, this is what their job is. Right. This is what their job is. And right. whenever they they forget, somebody comes along and reminds them. Yeah. And this is this is why we have this rampant. Uh, idea in the media today and, and even among some of our leadership, but mostly the media, which is the biggest criminal and it's the biggest fly in this ointment that we call our culture. And that is, is that they, you are, um, people, you are literally, um, marginalized if you, if you profess a belief in God. By all of these people in, in the press and by these, these commentators on television, um, and I won't even name you're, names. You're ridiculed. You're ridiculed. You're ridiculed because you believe in God. 
and and you see it in the social media, but yet at the by ver- at the same time there is a, a huge swath of people in this country that do believe in God and do believe in keeping the laws and do believe in treating each other with respect and not not killing you because of the color of your skin. In the terms of what's going on in the streets and in the terms of COVID-19, if the people on the left, all the leadership on the left, if they really cared about us as a nation, if they cared for our lives, they would put all of this stuff aside and they say, President Trump, Congress, Republican senators, how can we help you? How can we solve this health crisis? But they don't want to do that. They, they, want it, they want it all to crumble into dust and death. And then if, if they win, they'll say, aha, we have a way to stop all this. And, and, and if any, if they want to get elected, oh, if they want to get elected on the, on, if they want to get elected on the platform of we're not helping you until we get into power, talk about Machiavellian. That is, it, it, I have utter contempt for anybody who has a way to stop this and says, I'm not going to do it while Trump is in office. You know, there we got to we got to pick this up, Jim. I'm getting I'm getting really down from this. Okay, so you, so this so you can't tweet a Jewish star, right? Country America's crumbling. Let we got to we got to pick this up. Oh, and of course, tomorrow is the 17th of Tammuz, and that's the beginning of the end. But you know what, Jim? Again, the Torah's message for all of us, for Jews and non-Jews who plug in to these teachings and who identify with the God of Israel. Torah's teaching is that we can change all of this. Amen. We can and we will. We have free will. And we that's what it means to serve God in this world. And that's what it, that's what it means to to man up. And that's our act of Pinchas. It's not extreme. It's just being the people that we have to be and and to stand against the, this growing tide of anarchy. That already takes a Pinchas just to be able to say, no, this is not right. There is a God in the world and this is not proper. And there is a promise to mankind to unite and to and to shine on love and light on each other that's what this is all about that's the whole message of the torah of every prophet of israel and so and so it's a a challenging time it has been a strange year so far it is it is um one of our private institutions this this past week i i believe rabbi that we're literally at a turning point I, really, I think more than that, Jim. My, I, I think we are actually at the end. Of the, I don't want to say the end of history, but we are on the edge no, of some again, tremendous to, to, to just, change. To, to echo your words and your concept that that these two parshas are a, reflect a, a turning point in the in the history of the nation in the desert. It's that's what's happening this week in America. We are at a turning point where the 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 nation has to say enough. Enough. This is this. We have to do a pinkus like. Uh, we have to. We have to. We have to stab this thing in the middle and say, "It's we're stopping this right now." Stopping and the plague. We're stopping the plague of of violence and and idiocy, and we're going to reverse what a private institution just said this last week, that their motto for years has been, "Work hard and be nice." They said that this is an outmoded idea. When we get to that point in this country, when 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 institutions which are teaching children, this is private, by the way, it's not a public school. When they say that's an outmoded idea, you know which part? Which part? Working hard or being nice? Both, both. Because it used to be their motto. 
They, they want to change it because it, it speaks of white supremacy. Really? I don't work see the, hard and be nice. Why, when did that ever be, become an idea of any of any and had anything to do with color? Because I can tell you that the people in this country that get the most done and do the most good, that that really are changing the country for good, are those people who literally do that. They work hard and they're nice to people, and that's what we have to do. We have to we have to raise up that banner that says, you know what, we really are a Judeo-Christian society. And we're going to remember what the Judeo part of that is, which is the Torah and the people that gave us the Torah. You cannot, you cannot erase from the, the face of the earth because if you, if you cease to exist as a people, and by the way, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're all being tested so that we will be experience this. God, people can say, God, where are you in all this? And I would say in answer to this whole aspect of Tammuz and the troubles that come our way, this is what we learned from the wrestling of Esau and Yaakov. That wrestling match has to take place. Every human being has to have a wrestling match because God says, this is how I, this is, this is the mechanism that I put in place in the world that makes you grow as a soul. I see God so clearly in all of this. He's not, he's not hiding at all. It's all, it's all divinely orchestrated. It's all a tremendous time of testing, of challenge, of, of uh, choices that have to be made. And, and and a lot of people are making bad choices. And you know why I believe we're at a turning point and why I know it's going to turn for the good eventually because of, of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter eight, verse 23, because Israel is going to forgive the praise Israel as a nation is going to get its act together. You're doing it already. Look at you. You're, there's no violence in your streets. You are, you, are going to, you are going to become such a model nation that 10 men, as it says in Zechariah, 10 men of every nation is going to grab the seat seat of a Jewish man and say, take us with you because we have heard that God is with you. And this is what's going to, this is why I know it's all, it's all going to turn around. Amen. So... Amen. And Jim, tonight, tomorrow, the seventeenth of Tammuz, may it be a, a, a time of turning, a turning point. May it be a time of change. May we reverse the template and be active participants in the beginning of the be- the building of the holy temple, and truly the the um, the time of Hashem and His name being one for everybody. And maybe time of personal, national, global growth, repentance, unity, and uh, just want to bless everyone with safety and good health. Amen, and may it come speedily in our day, Rabbi. Amen. Amen. Amen.